You know, uh, before the service, we were just talking about how, you know, the problem with a theology that's always focused on sin and how that, that uh, the problem with that is that if we're always focused on our sin, we never get beyond our sin. And, and God wants us to know there's a life on the other side of our sin. Yeah, we need to deal with our sin. Jesus came to, to, to deliver us from sin. But how many know that's not the only reason he came? Does anybody understand what I'm saying? He came to lead us into a life that's beyond our sin. He came to, to deal with the sin problem. Yes, he died on the cross to deal with the sin problem. But not just so we could go, oh, ha, my sin problem's done with. Now I'm good to go to heaven. No, he, he wanted to deal with the sin problem because it was getting in the way of us fulfilling his purposes through us today. He, it was in the way of the kingdom of God. It was in the way of, of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus in us. And so the sin needs to be dealt with in your life so God can fulfill his purposes through you. Sin is, is, is sometimes made out to be this thing that we always are looking at the sin. And we need to look beyond the sin to what Christ wants to do. So many people, like we were saying earlier in prayer, uh, in the prayer room at the back of the church, so many people, their theology doesn't, it begins in Genesis chapter 3 with the sin equation. But the Bible actually has two chapters before that, and it records all of God's creative effort. And he says in the beginning, he said, God created the heavens and the earth, and God, and, and God talks about creating the animals and, and man. And at the end of each one of the creations, what does he say? It is good. God created us. And he created, uh, you know, everything, uh, you know, that, that is good. It was put here by God. And, and sin, all it did was come and twist the goodness of the Lord perverted the good thing. And so when Jesus comes and deals with the sin equation, then the Bible says he's come to restore all things. The Bible says that all of creation is waiting and, and groaning in anticipation of the sons of God. Everybody say sons of God. You and me to be revealed, to walk in this, our fullness. That's why the Bible says there is, therefore, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because we have been set free from anyone's control. That's why the Bible says we're supposed to walk in the freedom that we've been set free into. For freedom's sake. For the sake of being a liberated being. Not out of obligation's sake. Not out of, you know, oh, wow. Dodged a bullet their sake, out of freedom's sake, to walk in what we've been liberated for. Okay. You who came here this morning to this altar, God meets you here and pours his love into you so that you can go from this place and practice life. Yeah. And it gets very practical. Just, just think about how much different your relationships would look like if you actually spoke life rather than death. Yeah. And I just, can we just start with that one? It's a simple one. Yeah. This is all for free this morning. None of, it, none of it's in my notes. So this is for free. We, we, we call these free ones. These are just freebies. Everybody say it's a freebie. So just imagine. Imagine every day if instead of pointing at your spouse's or your children's or your parents' shortcomings, you spoke into their potential. You spoke into their, 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 the, 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 the blessings that they are, the good things that they do, the, the, the things that they, that they uh, have become. If you spoke into that instead of speaking into, oh man, I can't believe you're late again. I can't believe, you know, oh, you burnt the roast. I can't believe, you know, you didn't, you know, change the kid's diaper. I can't believe you did this. Why are you, what in the world are you doing? I mean, do you know how stupid you are? Blah, 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 blah. Instead, we speak life. 
we speak life. And when we speak life, the Bible says, what happens? We get life. Right? Whatever you, a man soweth, that shall he also. So if you speak life, what are you going to get in return? Life. Life. You speak life into your spouse, you're going to get life back. Just saying. Just saying. Come on. You know, by the way, I have to do this this morning. It's Karen Clark's birthday today. <laughs> you thought you were going to get away with it, didn't you? You're not. It is her birthday today. She's uh, 35 today, and she's so excited about it. Uh, she knew this day would come when she turned 35, and she said, you know, even just last week, just worried about it. 35, Pastor. That's, but today is her birthday. Can we sing happy birthday to Karen this morning? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Karen. Happy birthday to you. Yeehaw! And I got to say, you are looking good. You are looking good. Keep up the good work, lady. I'm telling you. Uh, and, and I also have to add this morning, honorable mention goes to, uh, to Marlene, who's not here today, but it's her birthday next Sunday, and you guys are going to be going away celebrating it, right, Jim? Going to Niagara Falls. Going to see it. Going to go to the falls, turn a little heat on, and... Uh, Oh, uh, but anyway, going away for the birthday, and it's going to be an awesome time, and uh, you're just going to go to some nice restaurants, stay away from the casino, that's not a good spot to go, and, uh, and just be blessed, have a great time, and uh, so if you see Marlene this week, tell her you know it's her birthday coming up, and, and bless her, praise the Lord. Wow. Well, um, we're talking about taking uh, our church to the next level, and this is going to be part three of it. Uh, and this message is kind of a weird title, Out, Down, and Behind. Everybody say, Out, Down, and Behind. Okay. And, uh, and I won't uh, waste too much time with a review or anything. Just, just understand that Jesus said to Peter, you know, I want to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And how uh, that today there's a, ten, a trend in, our, in Christianity to separate our personal journey with Christ from the local church. And yet most of the references to church in the New Testament are not uh, references to the universal church. They are references to uh, an individual congregation in a specific place, meets in a specific uh, building or a specific home, or, and they were references to actual groups and gatherings of people. And that was from last week. If you didn't hear that message, go, go get it and uh, make sure that you listen to it because it was absolutely awesome. I'm only saying that because people told me that after the service. So it's just, you know, it's just... Uh, why, where that comes from. But I want to talk about changing times here this morning. Uh, 50 years ago, 50 years ago, we had what we call the nuclear family. And that means that most houses in Canada, most homes, had a mom and a dad and the kids. Oftentimes had grandma and grandpa even living with them. There was what they, the nuclear family, they, what they mean by that is that the whole nucleus was intact. The, the whole family was intact. Uh, 50 years later, how many know that's not the case anymore? Um, when your kids go to school and they've got both mom and dad at home and stuff, they're, they're, they're actually in the lower percentage rather than the higher percentage. And, uh, you know, that, that's a dynamic that has changed in the last 50 years. 
The other thing, another thing that has changed in, in the last 50 years is we used to have, 50 years ago, a prevailing church culture in our society uh, in the sense that, you know, everybody could say, well, I got baptized at this church, or I, even if they didn't go to church, they'd be able to tell you, you know, my mommy, my, my daddy was Presbyterian, or my pappy was, was Baptist, or my mom was Catholic, or it was, it, there was a prevailing church culture that existed in our society, and, uh, and it was reflected in so many ways. Here are some of the ways it was reflected. Uh, in industry, many factories did not even operate on Sundays. Uh, you know, people, uh, they, they, they would shut down. They'd actually shut machinery down and then have to reboot it again for Monday. And places were closed up. And uh, it was also seen in the retail market. Uh, stores were closed on Sundays. Everything. The only thing that might be open would be a, a gas station or a drugstore. Everything was closed. And so, you know, 50 years ago, the culture was built around still the idea that Sunday was our, our Sabbath day of rest. And so society had all of these things. You didn't leave church and go shopping. Yeah, there's some restaurants that were open, but even many of those closed on Sunday. And uh, they were not available. That There was protections put in place uh, through our culture that made it easier for people to be engaged in church life. Everybody following me so far? Yeah. All right? And uh, finally, family activities we're not on Sunday. Today, it seems like every family activity is on Sunday. Uh, every sport activity is on Sunday. I remember when I was a kid, I played hockey when I was a kid, and, uh, and, and so did my brother, and, 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 and I ended up playing like just, you know, uh, what they call house league and stuff like that. And then I was on what they used to call a select team, but my brother, he started like when he was four, so he was in like an all-star team and all that kind of thing as a goalie, and yet almost none of our games were ever on Sunday. They were on Saturdays. They were on Friday nights, there are weeknights, but Sundays was just, it was this day that, that our culture recognized was, was not touchable. Are right, you hearing me? All right. Well, I think we would all agree those days are a little ways behind us. A little ways behind us. That we don't have uh, that as our culture today. And so that is part of what is impacting church. But there's a number of other reasons why. Uh, you know, we find ourselves saying, well, I'm not going to go to church today, right? The busyness of life, the busyness of life. I mean, we're just, we, we, we are involved in so many things. We've got our kids involved in so many things. And we come around to Sunday, we're just like, oh, I'm just, I'm just wore out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Has it happened to anybody? It happens to me, <laughs> you know? Uh, the need for personal space. I have people, I just, people, I have people actually say to me, I, sorry I wasn't church on Sunday, Pastor. I just needed a me day. Just needed a personal day. Just needed a me day, Lord. You know? uh, family time. You know, family time is a great thing. But family time, sometimes the only time that people feel they have is, is on Sunday. And so that uh, cuts into going to church. Uh, fatigue. Some, some of us are just so wore out that we can't even hardly call, uh, haul our butts out of bed to go to work, let alone to go to church right? And uh, sometimes physical sickness. There's a few people awake today because of physical sickness, even in my own family. And, uh, you know, I'm one of those ones, I rarely miss church because of physical sickness. I, you know, if I'm sick, I, I'll drag my butt out to church anyway, because I think the best place to be is where I might get, actually get someone to pray with me. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, my wife and I, we've had little discussions about, well, you know, you don't want to go and spread the germs to other people. Well, you know, it depends where their faith is at. They should be able to pray with me and not, 
and, and have enough faith that they won't get sick too. So, you know, let's just go spread the love, right? So, uh, you know, I've come to church when I've been literally just feel like I can't even hardly lift my arm up, and yet I'll come to church, and it's amazing how I'll, uh, you know, God will sustain me. I'll even get up and preach and then go home and go, ugh, you know? Uh, yet it's, it's amazing. I just say, God, give me the strength, and he does. And so, but these are all reasons, and, and uh, there's legitimacy to them, and some of it's just noise. Are you hearing me? But they're all reasons that cut into why we're not at church. But there's one that I wanted to just deal with this morning, and it's basically I have a one-point sermon, and there's one I want to deal with this morning that I think is, is probably the most insidious of all reasons, and that is discouragement. It's amazing how many people when they're discouraged, stay away from the house of the Lord. They stay away from the house of the Lord. It may seem like a strange thing that a person would stay away from church when they're discouraged because that's exactly where they need to be, right? That's exactly where they need to be, but that is what people tend to do. Especially people like me, my personality type. You're saying, like you, Pastor? Yes, my personality type is that uh, I'm uh, what they call an extrovert in my giftings. I know you probably never noticed that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're all shocked at this revelation. But, uh, but I'm, in other words, I'm a very outgoing person with respect to my work and my giftings. I, 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 I love to be, you know, uh, working at things. I, I have no problem. Uh, you know, poor Amanda got up and said, I'm nervous about talking. It doesn't get, cause me to get shakes in my bellies or anything else. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an extrovert in my work environment. And, I, and I, I could not be a person who was given a job to work in a cubicle by myself all day. I couldn't do it. Shoot me now. You know, that had never happened. That's why I'm not a monk somewhere, you know, in a, locked up in some kind of an ivory tower writing the scriptures out or something. That's not Jesus for me. You know what I'm saying? But here's the ironic thing. Uh, even though I'm an extrovert when it comes to the exercise of all my gifts, I'm an introvert when it comes to re-energizing. So I re-energize through reading. I love to read. I read probably 50 to 60 books a year because I love to read. I re-energize through reading. I, I re-energize by just sitting in my, my great-grandma's chair in my living room, and, I, and I've got this little table right beside it, and I get a cup of coffee there, and, uh, and, I, and I get a book, and I am just, my battery is refilling the whole time I'm sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I'm just getting re-energized. I re-energize that way. How many people re-energize by, by, in, in that way? By getting alone, spending a long time reading a book, watching a movie. Just You re-energize by, through isolation, through just having some quiet time. Anybody like that? Come on, you can be honest. Okay, now here's the danger for us. Now Mark's not like that. Mark re-energizes the same way that he, he is with his gift. He's extrovert, extrovert. This is the kind of guy, he leaves the office after spending all day with people and says to his wife, where do you want to go tonight? Hey, let's go to so-and-so's house. Let's go over and do this. Because he gets his energy off of that. Sheldon's one of those guys that he's an introvert through his work, but he's an extrovert, he re through his, and, and he re-energizes through extroversion. That's why after church, every week, Sheldon says, where do you want to go this, this week? Because he wants to go. He wants to, he wants to be with people, because that's how he re-energizes. You see, we're all different. But for those of us who re-energize through, through isolation, through, through uh, quiet time, through reading, through that kind of thing, let me, I, I want to tell you, you are in danger of this. Because when discouragement comes, your first tendency is not to go to other people, it's to isolate. 
Am I making any sense to anybody here this morning? That's why I say I can relate to this. I can relate to this. Because I know how easy it is when you get down or depressed to pull away. I thank God that I have a Savior who loves me enough that when I'm having a bad day, I've had days when, some, when I've just been just spiritually beat up by somebody and spit up on by somebody. And, uh, you know, when my wife was home, this happened to me a, a couple years ago. My wife wasn't home and I just had the worst day of my life. She was in Shovel with uh, Roxanne and they were visiting their mom. And uh, so I'd call her up and I'd talk to her a little bit, but I didn't tell her what happened because I didn't want to ruin her time. And, uh, and so I'm sitting down in the basement and I'm isolating myself and I'm watching Star Trek. Star Trek is a good place to lose your mind. And... Uh, and some people say, that's why you lost your mind. You're watching Star Trek. But, but anyway, sitting down there, and, and, you know, and, and I'm having a, a rough day, and my phone rings, my cell phone rings, and I pick it up, and it's Barry. And I said, what's up? He goes, I don't know. I just really felt to call you. How are you doing? Holy Spirit loves me that much. And so I was able to go, bleh, that's how I'm feeling. And, uh, and he was able to go, whoa, okay, and uh, cleans himself off a little bit, you know, and uh, but then he's able to just speak life into me and thank God that God saw through my tendency to be discouraged and pull away. I'm learning to instead, when I'm discouraged, to pick up the phone and proactively call him and not have to have Holy Spirit have him call me. But do we see how we need the, each other in the body? And discouragement is one of those insidious things that wants to just take you out, wants to take you out. And the great irony in all of this is the enemy uses discouragement to separate people from the body at the very moment that we need the body the most. The very moment when you need someone else in the body of Christ, he's trying to pull you away from the body of Christ. So when we're discouraged, we need the impact of other believers. We need their strength. We need their testimony of how they got through it. We need their encouragement, the words that are going to build us up. We need their reassurance that we're going to make it, that we actually can get to the other side. We need that. And that leads me to our scripture this morning. Hebrews 10, verses 23 to 25. And it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is what? Faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. This is a powerful scripture. And when I decided this is what I wanted to do in the new year and what I was going to speak on, um, I, I didn't know when Mark and Katrina gave me this devotional for, for Christmas and I started reading it, that, that this is the scripture I wanted to preach on. And the guy actually deals with this scripture like seven days into the new year. I was like, this is mind-blowing. This is awesome. And, uh, and so I want to give credit where credit's due. Rick, Rick Renner in this book has just done an amazing job at pulling out something from this passage that I wanted to, to, to share with you this morning that I think is absolutely revolutionary. And it's the word forsaking that we're going to look at here this morning. And that word forsaking is, uh, you ready for this? Everybody say, Egcata le pontes. Egcata le pontes. Egcata le pontes. All right, now say it together. Egcata le pontes. It's a tongue twister, I know. But this word, this word is the word that, that the writer uses for that word forsaking in Scripture. And here's the interesting thing about it. It's a compound word made up of three different Greek words. Okay? The first one is egg, and that word means out. All right? The second word is kata, which means down. 
And the third word is lipo, which means behind. This word, forsaking, is made up of three words, out, down, and behind. Out, down, and behind. Everybody say that with me this morning. Out, down, and behind. That is, is what this word means. Forsaking means to be, it means out, down, and behind. Out, down, and behind. Out, down, behind. That's where the enemy wants to keep us. Out. He wants to keep us down. He wants to keep us behind. You know, as I was reading it, this is what came to me. This word means being, feeling left out, cast down, and behind everyone else. Left out, cast down, behind everyone else. And that feels like we're just dragging this great big weight the whole time. I've been left out. I've been cast down. I'm behind everyone else. And, and you're saying, yeah, but is, isn't it saying, you know, the, the, the using, aren't you kind of using the word as a result rather than proactive? Because it's saying don't forsake the gathering yourselves together. In other words, what the writer was trying to communicate to us was if you separate yourself from the body... This is what you're actually doing. You're leaving yourself out. You're casting yourself down. You're getting behind everyone else. So let's look at this practically. Supposing you'd said this morning, I'm, you know, I'm just going to stay home this morning. You wouldn't be hearing this right now. And that means that next week you're one, you're one week behind. You're, you're one blessing behind everybody else. When I, when I first became a Christian, I never wanted to miss church because I had a lot of catching up to do. I had not read the Bible before. I had not really been in church where the gospel was preached. And I never wanted to miss because I wanted to make sure I didn't get behind. I, I don't know whether I thought there was going to be a test at the end or what. But uh, I was like, I, I want to make sure I get all the stuff in because I got to know what is happening in the house of the Lord. I wasn't going to get left out. I was there every time they opened the door. That's who I was. Because when I came to Christ, I was all in. Everybody say all in. All in. I was like, I was all in. I, and I did it, at the, at the, that, not at the encouragement, but the discouragement of my parents. They hated the fact that I was going to this crazy Pentecostal church. Couldn't stand it. Did everything they could to get in the way of my going. But I was a big boy, so they, in the end, conceded and let me do it. When I started taking my brother, they put their foot down, wouldn't let me take him anymore. But I'm telling you, I didn't want to get left out. I didn't want to be cast down. I didn't want to get left behind. And that's what that word means. That's pretty powerful stuff. But Satan, his whispers can be heard all over town every Sunday. Here's what they look like. Oh, just stay home from church today. You don't need to go to church today. You don't need to be with all those rejoicing people. I mean, when you're down and depressed, do you want to be with rejoicing people? Psst, the answer is yes. But our natural reaction is no, right? We don't want to do that. Oh, you don't need them. Just sleep in this morning. Wouldn't it be so good just to sleep in? Wouldn't it be just so good to sleep in? Oh, my word. You can just read the Bible and pray at home. You don't need to go to church. Ever heard that little whisper before? And yet the truth is, is that you watch TV and you do everything except read the Bible and pray. Let's be honest. When was the last time you stayed home in church and you spent the hour and a half reading the Bible and prayer, praying? You have never done it and you know it. All right. Uh, <laughs> Or just stay home by yourself. Get some me time. That's what you need is some me time. And I'll say more about this next week. But the problem when you stay home for me time is that other people don't get you time. 
when I stay home from me time, that means the rest of the body doesn't get, they don't, they don't get you time. They don't get time with you. You see, the only person we're thinking about when we say any of these things is me. What about other people? What about other people who might need to hear from you this morning? Who might need your hug, your word of encouragement, your, your uh, bit of strength? Boy, it's getting quiet in here. Cute little picture, though, isn't it? I'm telling you. I noticed a couple of the houses were for sale. You know, uh, I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they are for sale. Uh, Satan knows that if he can isolate you from other believers at the moment you need fellowship and encouragement the most, then he can probably keep you out, hold you down, and place you behind everybody else. That's what he can do. This is why uh, church is the last place the devil wants you to go when you're feeling low. <laughs> Come on, that rhymes. That's so cute. Uh, <clears throat> he knows if you go to church, then you're going to be touched by the presence of the Lord. You know, chances are you're going to be encouraged by other believers, and in the end, you'll crawl out of that hole the enemy's been trying to put you in, and you're going to rise up in victory. So he tries to keep you isolated and separated. That's what he tries to do. So, Rick Renner says this. He says, you could take that Hebrews 10.25, and you could translate it this way. When you're feeling depressed, down and out, like a failure who is falling behind everyone else, that isn't the time to stay away from other believers, as some are in the habit of doing. Isn't that incredible? That is, if you want the full essence of what that passage is saying, there it is this morning. There it is this morning. When you're feeling depressed and down and out like a failure who is falling behind everyone else, that isn't the time to stay away from other believers as some are in the habit of doing. Wow. Wow. Instead of letting the devil and your flesh get the best of you in the moments of weakness, in addition to praying and reading the word at home, Go be with believers who can build you up in your faith and encourage you in your journey. You know, we talk a lot about how we're the church and how, you know, the church isn't a building. It's true. that We're the church. And as we pointed out a couple weeks ago, you know, there's many references in the New Testament to that universal church, that we're all part of that church. But the majority of the references are about an actual local congregation, a local group of believers. And the majority of instruction given by Paul in his letters Though universally applicable, were written to congregations and believers in cities like Ephesus and Thessalonica and Philippi, written to actual congregations of people in those communities, written to real people, people like you and me, people who meet in other cities and other places and gather in people's homes and in buildings and worship the Lord. That's what it was written to. When the enemy attacks... Don't allow yourself to be left out. Don't permit yourself to be cast down. Don't fall behind everyone else. When the enemy attacks, don't allow yourself to be left out. Don't stay home. Don't isolate. Engage. Draw in. Don't let yourself be left out. When the enemy attacks, telling us uh, that we're nothing, telling us that we're low, don't let him make you someone who's cast down. Don't anticipate the worst. Don't, don't go to your secret habit. Don't go to your secret place. Go to the secret place, the Lord Jesus Christ. And many times, the secret place is in the midst of a whole host of people in his presence. Are you hearing me this morning? Don't get placed under Satan's thumb. Step up. Uh, speak hope. Go to him and to his people. and Come out from underneath the, the thumb of the enemy. When the enemy attacks, 
And he's encouraging you to fall behind everyone else. Don't miss them where God's people are going. Don't grow stagnant while others flourish. You don't have to be first, but as Ken would say, try going first. Lead by example. Volunteer. Serve. When the enemy tries to isolate you and separate you, get in there and, and, and stick it to him by actually investing yourself in other people. Don't make the problem about you anymore. Get your eyes off of yourself and off the problem and get your eyes on the needs and other people and start investing yourself in other people and sowing yourself and giving yourself and just put the boots right to the enemy by doing it. You know, we probably have about, I'm just going to be honest with you here, some real practical stuff here. We probably have about 300 people that would consider Devastream to be their church. And on any given Sunday, you got about half, maybe a little over half of that here. And I realize that there's shift work and there are things today that we, as I already pointed out at the beginning of the message, that we're fighting against that we didn't have to fight against 50 years ago. So I realize that there are things that are working against church and culture uh, today that, that we didn't have to contend with in the past. But you know, a lot of times it's got nothing to do with it. It's just we've convinced ourselves that, we, you know, that it's important, but it's just not that important. And over the next few weeks, I want to help you see how important it is to gather with other believers. I'm not saying that going to this church is going to make you a Christian any more than, as the joke says, walking into an auto garage turns you into an automobile. That's not what we're trying to say this morning. What I am trying to say is this, is that this is a local expression of Jesus. And we are not to forsake gathering together with that local expression because A, we need it, and B, people need us. Simple as that. We need it, and people need us. We need it, and they need it. Everybody say that. We need it, they need it. And I want to show you through Scripture, and through. we're going to talk about this verse again next week, but just another part of it, part of it I should say. And, uh, you know, but the bottom line is, don't forsake gathering together. Don't let yourself be left out, cast down, or left behind. Go to church. Go to church. Go to church. Just saying. Yeah, be the church, but go to church. It's good for you. It's good for your kids. It's good for your home. It's good for your marriage. It's good for you. Don't let the enemy isolate you. Don't get left out, cast down, behind everybody else. Don't do that. Don't do that. Go to church. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. Some of you might say, well, you're preaching to the choir. We're here. That's right. But I know some of you might not be here next week, so maybe you you will be because you heard this message today. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise God. Father, I thank you, Lord. Father, you've given my wife and I so many incredible relationships in this body that when we're feeling discouraged, that, Father, we've learned not to forsake ourselves from those relationships because, Father, they've been put there to build us up. And, Father, I know that you want to do so much in and through the lives of people here. And, Lord, let's face it, we know, we, we talk about it all the time, if someone's going to make connection with this church and, they, and they're going to, you know, if the world, the world still thinks that, that church is something you go to on Sunday, that's still the way they think in our culture. So if they come here and, and they're expecting to find us or see us and we're not here, then, 
then, Father, just even by our absence, we can be having a negative impact in someone's life. They're anticipating us being here. And, Father, we need to be here for them. I don't know how many times we've been on vacation and someone said, oh, we stopped by your church this summer. We were hoping to see you and you weren't there. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, we're there, you know, probably 48 weeks out of the year. And the one week we're away, they drop by. But it just always reminds us of how important it is to, Lord, connect with people, to, to, to be there. And this is just one way in which we connect. It's not the only way, but it's one way, and it's an important way in which we connect with others. Father, I just pray that uh, as we leave this place and we go into small groups this week, I, I'll bet you there'll be some pretty neat discussion come about this, that, Lord, uh, ways in which the enemy is trying to uh, take, take us out, cast us down, leave us behind. And, Father, that, Lord, you're going to build this house and the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But Lord, in order to build it, you want everybody on the wall. You want them there. Sword in one hand and trowel in the other, building the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you today. Lord, I thank you for all the work you did around these altars this morning. Uh, God did a work in your life this morning because he wants you to take it with you out the back doors and to walk in it in liberty this week. So speak life. Build people up. Encourage them in their faith. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Bless you. Have an awesome day. And uh, all the football fans, don't get in any fights about who wins or loses today. No, actually, I...